I'm Sarah Fry. Welcome to Patent Pod. My guest today is David Dinoteris. David is the author of a book titled Feeling Your Way Through Life, which shares inspiring stories from his life and upbringing about how he was able to overcome the diagnosis of retinitis pigmentosa when he was four years old. Now, I want to turn it over to him directly to tell us more about his life story. David, it's so great to have you today. It's so nice to be with you, Sarah. So like I mentioned, I couldn't do it justice in an introduction. It's probably a lot better coming from you. Can you tell us more about yourself, who you are, what you do, what your former roles have been? I'd love to. I'd lo First, the earth cooled. Am I going back too far? Oh, maybe a little bit. All right, I'll Our speed it up. episodes are 15 to 20 Oh, minutes. okay. Then I'll, I'll speed it up a little bit. Uh, Sarah, I, like you, you shared, I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa, RP, when I was four years old. And uh, my parents, they, they didn't have the resources, like the wonderful resources that, that are here at Patton. And they didn't know what to do. Um, but my, my dad was a possibility thinker. He loved asking questions. He loved asking questions. What do you think I should do? That very simple question. What do you think I should do? And so um, I remember, Sarah, I had to learn about advocacy when I was at kindergarten, when my dad brought me to meet with the principal of, of public school number 10 in Belleville, New Jersey. And the, the principal uh, told my dad all the reasons why I, I, they would not be able to have a blind student. We've never had blind students in 1974. We've never had a blind student here before. Uh, w w there's lots of stairs, like that has anything to do with anything. There's lots of stairs. We don't have braille books. We don't, um, and, um, and then he, he just, you know, shared a, a variety of reasons. And then my father said, David, what, what do you think? And I said, oh, I, I think I could do it. I made it up the stairs into the office. And he's like, and the principal's like, well, yes, you did. And, um, and I'm like, and I, and I know some Braille now. And you do, yeah. And so um, I, I, think, I think it'll work. I remember telling him, I think it'll work. And my father said to the principal, Mr. Manasian, and Mr. Manasian, if it doesn't work, we'll try something else. But I, I, I really want you to give my son a chance. And he said, Mr. Nutaris, we'll give your son a chance, but it doesn't work. You're gonna have to send him to that school in Philadelphia, two hours away. And so uh, I was very blessed to have um, learn, uh, continue to learn Braille from the New Jersey Commission for the Blind. And I had my first orientation mobility lesson when I was five years old from Joe Cutter. And I always like to make the, the point to say, Sarah, that, you know, um, that was 50, 48 years ago when I had my first mobility lesson. And I remember my mobility instructor's name, Joe Cutter. And I remember my Braille teacher's name, Linda Moore. And, and people will remember, people will remember your name and, and to the, all the teachers out there, people are gonna remember you for, for, for being a dream maker. And so I, I was very blessed to attend public schools in Belleville, New Jersey. Uh, I, I was involved in the wrestling team. I attended East Stroudsburg University in Pennsylvania, where I earned a degree in communications and marketing. Sarah, when I was 19 years old, I was a sophomore at East Stroudsburg University. That's when I went totally blind. And I was discouraged. I was afraid. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I called up my mom. I said, I can't do this anymore. And she says, well, what do you want to do? I said, I, I want to come home. And she says, I, I don't think that's really an option. 
And I'm like, Ma, I can't, I can't do this. And she says, you should talk to the dean, Dean Valerie Hodge. And she was just an amazing possibility thinker, Sarah. And she said, Dave, I, I, we will do whatever we got to do make, to make this work for you. Do you need help getting to class? Do you need more lighting? Do you need more readers? What do you need? Because if you don't tell us, we all failed mind reading. If you don't tell us what you need, then, then we're not going to be able to help you. And so then I said, oh, I, I just need uh, some more, more readers. And I, I had my first talking computer. It was an 8086 computer with a program called um, Arctic Business Vision on it, 1988. And I was able to, you know, type in a word processor. And I, I was able to get through college. And I graduated college and uh, I started working for a nonprofit agency. And I was um, helping individuals who are blind or vision impaired learn, learn how to use technology, Sarah. So it was that same. So, Sarah, I learned this is, this is what I learned access equals success. And when we can help people access the same information as their classmates, colleagues, neighbors, or peers, they can get the same education, they can get the same training. And yes, one day they can get the same jobs. So, I, I was helping people learn technology to help them prepare for work. And then, um, I just I love to network, and I I was appointed to the State Rehabilitation Council in New Jersey, where I met the executive the executive director of the Commission for the Blind. She had hired me a few years later to be their coordinator of assistive technology. I went on I got my master's in organizational development from Montclair State University in 2004. In 2007, Governor Rendell then asked me to be the director of the Bureau of Blindness. And I loved that job, and I, I loved working. We had six district offices, Altoona, Erie, Harrisburg, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Wilkes-Barre. We helped people who are blind or vision impaired find real jobs with real pay. In 2013, uh, Governor Wolf asked me to serve as executive director of the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation with what amazing possibility thinkers work there. And... Um, we helped over 10,000 people a year with disabilities find real jobs with real pay. And we know that education is the, is the key that unlocks opportunity and potential. So I've been very blessed, Sarah, to have a, a wonderful um, you know, career as uh, working in nonprofit, working in state government, now uh, owning our own company, delivering uh, trainings for schools and universities, companies all over the country. Wow, you know, geez, we could, we could unpack so much there, David. I don't. I. I guess where I'd like to start is, um, you know, my background in technology. Something buzzed in my brain a little yes. bit when you mentioned when you first got your computer. Yes. I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about how technology has changed and mm. changed your life. I love Sarah. I love technology, and I, I love what it allows me to do, and I love sharing it, you know, with other people, and. You know, I, I just, Sarah, I remember, um, do you remember WordPerfect 5.1, 5.1? Do you remember that? Yes, so, vaguely. I mean, it's vaguely. been a while. It's been a while. It's been a while. And I remember I was, I was, um, I had graduated college and um, I had just gotten WordPerfect 5.1 on my computer and I got the spell checker to work. And I remember thinking, wow, like, what else can I do? Like, this is unbelievable. Like, I don't have to look stupid anymore spelling words incorrectly. So then, you, you know, using the spell checker. So, so just like the, the first thing that came to mind was just, you know, how technology was going to allow me to, 
allow me to, to you know, um, to be able to write and communicate in the sighted world in which I lived. And then Sarah then like learning how to use an embosser and you know how to braille documents for myself, how to create accessible documents for myself. There wasn't always going to be someone to create an accessible document for me. And so how can I scan a document in on a, a scanner using OCR, optical character recognition software, and then uh, you know, uh, pulling it up into Word and then converting it with Duxbury and then and embossing it. So I, I, technology has just just allowed me to read the newspaper using services like NFB Newsline or now using Alexa to um, to access just information about the weather and travel and news and. I just, I just love the thought, access equals success. I have the same access to everyone else now. I don't have to, you know, in, in the past, Sarah, I, you know, I used, to, I used to get the news by once a week, I'd get a cassette in the mail. And it would be like, a, you know, or just a selection of articles that someone thought might be interesting. And now, you know, through an iPhone app or an iPad app or, just the computer, I can access whatever information is out there. And, and so if it's a textbook or if, if, if it's reading pleasure or if it's reading a, a, um, a, a just news, whatever it is, you know, it's so important that we have access to the same information as everyone else. There are a few things um, that you've, you've, you've repeated, and, and I, I think I've written them down repeatedly, too. Is this idea of a possibility thinker, mm, going back to your yes. relationship with your, your father. Yes. And then your teachers, your, your comms uh, and your TBI. Yes. The what I'm, I know I'm throwing this at you. We didn't yeah. really th talk about this beforehand, but yeah. what what delineates someone as a possibility thinker in your life? versus someone who doesn't. What, what, what skills or ideas are, are possibility thinkers bringing to that relationship with you? I think the first time I, I ever realized, um, well, so a story comes to mind. Um, when I was uh, eight years old, now my dad, he was the health inspector in, in, in Montclair, New Jersey. He didn't have any advanced degrees like you do. And he called me on the phone. He said, David, when I come home from work today, I'm gonna teach you how to play catch. I knew I couldn't see a baseball or a football or a basketball, but what he knew is all I could see is contrast, light on dark and dark on light. And that day, Sarah, he brought home a beach ball. It was so big I couldn't even get my arms around it. And he'd hit this ball up in the air, and I was able to see the red and the yellow and the blue and the green against the light blue sky, and I was able to reach up and catch the beach ball. And my father said, David, stop right there. He said, I'm not teaching you how to play catch. I'm teaching you that you can do whatever you want. You just got to spend your time figuring out how. And so, like, that was, like, the first time, like, wow, like, so... I can do whatever I want. I've just got to figure out how I can do that. So I remember one day, Sarah, he was during gym class at public school number 10. I think I was in fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, and we were going to learn to play tennis. And I was like, oh, God, like, I can't play tennis. I can't see that. Well, one day, Sarah, that the, the New Jersey Commission for the Blind had an adaptive physical education instructor. His name was Angelo Montanino. Everyone was, a, everyone was Italian in New Jersey, Sarah. I tell you. <laughs> so Angelo Montanino, he was the adaptive phys ed instructor. And we were learning to play um, tennis 
well, I knew I couldn't see that beach ball, that the tennis ball. So he, he had come to our school. He happened to be there that day to visit. Maybe he'd come once a month. And he's like, oh, we're learning, we're learning tennis today. Okay. I said, yeah, but I can't play. He says, well, what do you mean you can't play? I said, well, Monty, I can't see the, I can't see that little ball. I can't. He says, oh, well, he goes, um, I have this um, green balloon that I've put rice in. And now, um, now you can play. And so then I was able to, you know, like I wasn't going to be, you know, Billie Jean King or nothing, but I was able to hit that, um, that balloon that had the rice in it and I would hear it and then he would hit it back and I was able to track it and I was able to hit it again. And it's like, you just have to be a possibility. Who would think that you could take a balloon, a green balloon and put rice in it and now make, you know, so it doesn't have to be high tech. It could be low tech. But, you know, you know, he helped me learn that day that if I was a possibility thinker, I could fit in and not sit out. That story is remarkable. And I it's I love that you bring up that support and accessibility doesn't have to have the latest app no, update no, or best technology. No. There are solutions all around us as yes. if we only just stop and think about it. Sarah, you know, I was thinking about this this morning, like, you know, um, I, I was home and, you know, just, you know, throwing clothes in the dryer. And I remember, you know, now I have a little bump dot, little, little dot. And then like, I know that's where I have to turn the knob for the dryer. And the, I line those two things up and I know that I could just hit the start button. But, you know, I remember when I was, you know, younger, you know, we didn't have those, bop, those, you know, you know, lock dots, those bump dots. So my mother, she just put a Band-Aid, a Band-Aid on that. Sometimes you got to put a Band-Aid on things, Sarah. She just put a Band-Aid on where you, I had to point, turn that, that arrow to. And once it was lined up with the Band-Aid, I could feel it. I was able to hit the start button. So there was no, my, my parents weren't letting me say, oh, I can't do that because I'm blind. They would come up with ways to help me fit in and not sit out. I, you know, I hear you say that and going back to some of your previous stories about, you know, you being, giving you the access, you the opportunity to decide and to, to take advantage of the opportunity in the moment. Yes. Same thing with the, you know, the, the Band-Aid solution. You can put the Band-Aid on it, but ultimately it's still up to you to do it. That's right. And so I think about, especially when we talk about accessibility and accessible instructional materials. Yes. It's you know creating a, um, a a a braille document or an accessible PDF is step one, yes, right? Yes. It's, it's it's part of it, but it's not the end. Mm -mm. It doesn't. It doesn't. That's not the end solution, right? No, absolutely not. I think what we're teaching really is we're teaching problem solving skills. And so, okay, so how are you gonna, how are you gonna create this document? How are you, how are you gonna get this document to be in a format that you could read it, that you could access it? Because you know, Sarah, when we would, we would run summer programs and I would ask the question, how do you take notes, students? How do you take notes? And they're, oh, my uh, classmates, uh, they, wrong, that's the wrong answer. Oh, my, my paraprofessional take notes for me. Well, you know, I love paraprofessionals. God bless them. We're so grateful for them. But we need to be able to, Sarah, we, we need to be able to take notes ourselves. I've got my note taker right here. This is an APH Chameleon 20-cell uh, Braille display. 
I tell you, I, I couldn't live without it. You've got to be able to write things down and retrieve them independently. So how are you going to do that? How are you going to solve that problem? So, you know, it's not about creating an accessible document. It's about teaching people how to independently solve problems. And so the way we do that is the first thing is we've got to be a possibility thinker. I can solve this problem. Like, what if, what if I can solve this problem? Okay. And then we, okay, how do we solve the problem? I'm going to scan it in. I'm going to take a picture with my iPhone. It's going to come up my Braille display. I'm going to scan it on my computer. I'm going to use OCR. So it's not just you know, um, about, you know, learning the mechanism on how to do it, but it's also, it's, it's why you should do it because you're not always going to, you need to be independent and it's about solving this problem and it's being about solving the next problem. Okay. So now we scanned it into the computer. Now we've got it in here. Now, how are we going to, how are we going to learn this information? Are we going to use a, a screen reader like JAWS or NVDA or narrator? Or are we going to read it on our Braille display? You know, how, whatever kind of learner you are, whatever works for you. But, you know, we need to come up, we need to help people come up with solutions, what works for them, so we can help them to be problem solvers, so we can help them be independent and help them solve other problems in the future, not just that one incident of scanning one document. I hope that answers your question. Oh, it did. It absolutely answered my question. And I, I kind of want to go a little bit further yeah, with that, please. too, is, that, you know, the solving that one problem. I, I imagine, you know, as a former classroom teacher, preparing preparing lesson materials or getting ready for the upcoming unit. Sure. I've got to think about what I'm going to be providing my students. And, and sometimes maybe it unfortunately we do get stuck in that moment with mm. that one activity or this, Oh, I'm struggling with, is this one document good enough? Right. And that could be frustrating, but hearing your stories and what you've, you're talking about is it goes well beyond the one document in class on Tuesday it goes well beyond the teacher, um, figuring out what is accessible for that student, right? That's the opportunities extend so far beyond that. Sarah, I, I, I just, I need to share, like, I remember, you know, being in, in second or third grade and, you know, um, we would go up and down the rows and then, you know, it was your turn to read uh, a paragraph and then next person, next person, next person. And then I remember, you know, I didn't always have my books in time. And sometimes I wouldn't get the books until October or November. And then Sarah, you'd be in front of me and you would read and then like no one would say anything. And then they would just, I would just be skipped over. And I remember feeling like physically sick, you know, as, as the, it got closer to me and closer to me. And then like, I'm not sure if the teacher just pointed to the next person or what, but I know that I hated feeling left out like that. And then, so when, when I was able to get my, my books and materials on time and in a format that I could read. Like I was so proud, Sarah, to be able to, to, to fit in and not sit out. I was so proud to be able to, and I didn't read as fast as everybody else, but I didn't care because I, I, I was participating like all the other students and that's all I ever wanted to be. That, that idea of, gosh, that just, actual visualization of physically being skipped over in, in, a, in a class activity. And you've said it a few times, you know, fitting in and not being left out. 
That's really powerful. And like I said, going back to maybe, you know, a teacher who's feeling overwhelmed and maybe might think, well, I've got three out of four of the documents prepared for right. today. Hearing you say that, it matters. It, it matters. matters so much to the individual student. It 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 does. It does. And you know, and and just being so grateful for to, to have the accessibility. Um because there's been so much that's been, you know, left out or edited out or, oh, don't worry about that. Or we don't have that worksheet or we, we got the book, but not the worksheet. Don't worry about it. You don't have to do the worksheet. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, I was like, oh, great. You know, I get out of this. But you know what? I didn't get the opportunity or the lesson, you know, so I, I re you know, I, I lost out. So, you know, I whatever we can do to you know ensure that the information that you know like people are going to remember your name joe cutter i remember his name for you know 53 years 48 years later linda linda moore i remember her name 48 people are going to remember you for being a dream maker or a dream breaker people are going to remember that you like my you know sarah my fourth grade teacher genevieve patrillo and you know it was during gym class i didn't really like gym class Right. But during gym class, we would go outside. We didn't have grassy fields like here in central Pennsylvania. We had black top and yellow painted bases. OK. And we would go outside during gym class and Miss Petrillo, you know, like and, and we would play softball. Well, I couldn't see that ball and I just sit on the side. So Miss Petrillo said, you know, Dave, you're going to play today. And you're what you're going to do is you're going to keep your ear on the ball. I need you to keep your ear on the ball. And she would bounce the ball, Sarah, once, bounce the ball up once, twice. And by the second time it bounced, it got up to the plate and I was able to swing and hit the ball. And you know, so that's a funny, cute little story. Well, 30 years later, I get a phone call from Miss Petrillo. She wrote an article for Scholastic Magazine about keep your ear on the ball. And they published that article. And then Toll House Publishing Group uh, called up Miss Petrillo and said, we want to make this into a, a, a children's book. So now the children's book, Keep Your Ear on the Ball, is uh, available. And it was because she was a possibility thinker. And she didn't want me to sit out. That is powerful. And I'm wondering, we've talked about the possibility thinkers and dream makers that have, have had an impact and have supported your your ideas of what works, right? Asking you, yes. David, how do, how do we do this? How do we make it, make yes. it work? For our audience members who might not be feeling like a possibility thinker right, right now, and but are feeling called to action, what what idea what ideas, advice, suggestions do you have for them about providing accessible instructional materials to students with print disabilities and really taking taking part in that relationship with that student to make make that opportunity real? AQAL ask questions and listen, AQAL, ask questions and listen. You don't have to have all the answers. Um, you just have to be, a, you just have to ask questions and listen and ask the question, what do you think? Four most powerful words. What do you think? How, how can we make this work for you? What do you think? And so some people will know and some people won't know. And you don't have to have all the answers. And it's so important, Sarah, to remember that none of us are smarter than all of us. We don't need all the, we don't have to have all the answers. We just need to know who to call. Mm -hmm. 
And so if it's to call you or, you know, the, the amazing folks on your team at Patton or, you know. Appreciate that plug for the AIM Center. Not, Thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> or if it's, you know, to call another family or call another, you know, someone in, in, in school to find out, well, you know, is there another way that we can get, is there another, another format we can get this in? I think it's, you know, we have to be able to persist through the resistance. Sometimes some of the resistance is, you know, we, we get caught up on our own, like I don't, I'm too busy and I don't know how we're gonna get done. That, that creates resistance. Sometimes it's, well, it's just not, you know, the publisher didn't, we don't have that in the accessible format. So there's some ex resistance. Um, so I, I really think the best thing that we can do is ask questions and listen knowing that you don't have to have all the answers. None of us are smarter than all of us, but know where to go to find the answers and know that, you know, you know, it's, it's, we're not going to solve all these problems today, but get, getting little victories, little successes each and every day, you know, will, will make things better for everyone in the long run. Did you ever think that, you know, 40, 40 plus years, you'd be talking, um, you know, in a podcast or on the national stages that you've had the opportunity to speak at about reading, reading in fourth grade or hitting a, hitting a, a, a you know, a modified tennis ball? Would you, did, right? could you, did you picture that never. when you were no. eight or nine years old? No, never. Well, you know, I remember one day my dad took me out of school to go and speak to the, the Lions Club in Montclair, New Jersey. And I said, Dad, what do they want to hear about? And he said, what well, they want to hear about how you learn and how you take notes with your Braille writer and how you, you know, um, uh, how you how you learn to tell time and how you, you know, so just, you know, like, uh, Sarah, I remember <clears throat> one day when I, my teacher, the visually impaired, gave me my first Braille ruler. I was like, wow. <laughs> or my first clock, you know, I don't even know if they, they make them anymore, but, you know, clock and they had print and Braille numbers and then you could move the, the hands so I could learn to tell time. Now, now, now we're all digital freaks and we don't have to worry about that anymore. Right. But, you know, like just like learning, you know, um, just learning, just learning those things, learning, just learning. I could measure something or learning that I could, I, I, I could, you know, trace something. I just like those things that were just so, just so powerful. And I, I you know, I just. I just love, I love helping people be able to figure things out. Like, you know, giving, giving answers all the time is, is like, you know, you know, not where it's at, but helping people understand that they could be problem solvers and they could figure out their own answers. I don't think anything's more exciting or inspiring than knowing that you can learn, that you could do something yourself that once maybe you thought you couldn't. That's exciting to me. I, that is exciting to me, David, and I don't I don't know of a better way to, to kind of capture that that idea in our conversation. But I will I again I want to ask questions and listen. So I'll ask one more question to wrap up today. Is there anything else that you think our audience should know about accessible instructional materials or being mm. a possibility mm. thinker for their students? Mm. Uh, I uh, yes. What? I know you're always going to say yes if yes, I ask. Yes, yes, Sarah. <laughs> yes to you. Always yes to Sarah. So I would say this. One day, um, so I was asked, I was executive director of the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation. We had 1,200 staff, a $200 million yearly budget. And I was asked to speak at the AER conference. 
And I said, oh my God, okay, yeah, I could do that. And I said, so, so I went to my friend, Shelly Faust Jones, who's an amazing possibility thinker. And I said, Shelly, what am I supposed to tell these people? What, what do you think I tell them? She said, you tell them that one day, little Susie and little Bobby is gonna be big Susie and big Bobby. And one day they're gonna go to work and they need to be literate and they need to be um, know how to use technology and they may have to, may need to travel independently. So have high expectations because no one rises to a low expectation. That's what I would tell you. That that is a, a way to end our conversation, but keep, uh, but keep my brain worrying for hours on end. Yes. Um, thank you so much, David. It really, truly has been a pleasure to, to speak with you again today and uh, revisit some of your, your childhood, uh, your experiences as a professional, and, and hopefully impart some wisdom on, on educators and school administrators who might not, you know, might, like you said, might be overwhelmed or be caught up in the moment of yes. things and not be thinking of the possibilities. You are going to be remembered. You are going to be remembered for being a difference maker. And so keep trying, keep, don't, don't give up because little Jimmy and little Susie, everybody matters. And so, you know, figuring out ways to help you know, them fit in is going to make things better for everyone in, in your classroom. Sarah, thank you so much for this opportunity. It's a privilege and you're, 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 you're great at what you do. No, it's, it's a privilege on my part. Uh, I would also uh, just remind our audience members that if you'd like to look within the AIM <laughs> resources, uh, there's a link to the patent website in our show yes. notes. And that might be a great starting point to be a, you know, a, a possibility thinker yes. in your students' lives. Um, I'd also like to thank John Ragsdale for producing this episode. Thank you, John. And of course, to our, all of our audience members, I hope that you'll come back to Patent Pod and watch or listen or access um, in, in whatever means possible that works for you another episode very soon. Thanks again.